Do you love early intervention, but feel like you need more mentorship and information to thrive in this setting? We're here to provide a safe, inclusive community where we learn from and uplift one another. It's our mission to prepare students and practitioners to be confident and competent working in early intervention. Hi, I'm Amira Johnson. I'm Danielle DiLorenzo. And I'm Sarah Putt. And together, we're the real OTs of early intervention. Hey, Danielle, how's it going today? I'm doing really well. What about you, Amira? How are you doing today? I'm awesome. It's a beautiful morning. I had a great weekend. How are you, Sarah? I'm doing fantastic. And I am so ready to jump into today's topic. And we are going to be talking about the IFSP. Now, before we get into what it is, what it stands for, and all that good stuff, first, we're going to have a message from the sponsor of this podcast episode. This episode is brought to you by Mindfulness in Motion, an occupational therapy and educational consulting company. Two occupational therapists with the mindset to educate and empower other professionals, therapists, and OT students looking to enter the school-based world and provide a mindful approach to their practice. You can find us at www.themimproject.com and on Instagram at Mindfulness in Motion with periods to separate the words. So today we're going to be diving into the IFSP. And I think for some people that might just sound like a bunch of random letters, but it is a pivotal part of the early intervention process. So Danielle, let's jump into it. What is an IFSP and what do the letters actually stand for? An IFSP is an Individualized Family Service Plan. This is a document that provides a snapshot of the assessment results, present levels in all areas of development, where the child is at right now, the goals that you are going to be working on, and the services that are going to be provided that is the just right fit to help the family and the child reach their outcomes. So let's talk about who actually contributes to an IFSP within the early intervention process. So the service coordinator is the primary person who kind of guides our IFSP meetings. Now, again, just making the disclaimer that everything is so different depending on what state you are in. But for us, the service coordinator is the one who just kind of runs that IFSP meeting. So of course, we 100% need the parent's input or the caregivers or whoever the child is residing with. And they're the primary ones who are giving the input. So my favorite part of the IFSP actually is when the service coordinator starts to ask about certain routines and activities. So we go through mealtime, bath time, playtime, sleeping, like everything that the child and the family does throughout the day. And we get a lot of great feedback. So like, what's your sleep routine? What does mealtime look like? And for me, although I'm not the one asking those questions, it is really, really important for me to sit and listen to that because that's going to be directly what I'll be working on is if I'm hearing, okay, well, mealtime is challenging, then I'll pick up on, okay, why is that? And then that's kind of how I guide my treatment plan. So I really like that part of the IFSP when the service coordinator is asking all of those different questions. So like I said, the service coordinator is involved. The parents are involved. And then we have the team members who are going to support the family. So I am in the team-based model. So it'll usually be myself and one other person because we'll have the team lead and then we'll have like a joint visitor. So that might be a speech therapist, a PT. So our part comes in more towards the end when we start to ask more specific questions about the skills and we kind of review how the evaluation went and see if there's any updates because it could be a couple of weeks between the evaluation and the IFSP. So service coordinator, parents, and the team members. 
Amira, I love all of that. And I wanted to add that for us, the initial evaluation team is actually responsible for creating the initial IFSP. So we might be going in and assessing a kid that we will never see again, but we will be the ones that are developing that IFSP. And we are creating those goals, following the lead of the service coordinator who does typically manage and run those meetings. And then we are sharing assessment results. We are reviewing that, going into the goals that we've determined based on what the family needs and has expressed our areas of concerns or they would like additional support. And this way, we're determining that service level, the goals, and we're all a very big part of that. But again, sometimes these kids might fall on our caseloads. Other times, they might not. So you might be creating goals and an IFSP that is going to be handed to another practitioner. So it's important to be mindful of that to make sure that you're encompassing all of the areas that you have reviewed during assessment and during conversations with the parents. And I like what you just said right there, Danielle, about the IFSP is done at that initial meeting, at that that kind of initial appointment that we have. But then it's not just like a one-time thing and then it's done. It is continuously updated throughout the year. And I know for me, where I practice, we will do the initial IFSP. And then every six months, it will get updated with new goals, new present levels, new information if there's new like medical background or anything else that needs to kind of be added into the report. And I'm curious, Amira, when are your IFSPs updated after that initial meeting? We have a six-month meeting and then we have the annual meeting. So essentially every six months, that's when we update it. However, along the way, we have to do our quarterly reports. So every three months, we'll do a check-in basically during our team meeting where we quickly review the goals. And the service coordinator does not have to be a part of that. That's just us for the providers. But it is really good to stay on top of those quarterly reports because if you are involved in the IFSP process directly, you will have to make comments on how they're doing towards the goals and different things like that. So it really helps to just every three months do a check-in. Now, if you do that check-in with the family, because you can do your quarterly report with the family, you might want to ask specifically about how bedtime or mealtime is going. So if you do that and they're like, oh, well, they've actually met that goal, then we don't have to wait until the IFSP meeting to update that goal. We'll just call the service coordinator out and we'll say, hey, can we schedule a quick meeting because they've met this goal and we want to add a new goal to be working on until we have that six month or annual review. So it's, it's pretty flexible, actually. And I like that because I think that that just it just emphasizes the importance of staying family centered. And I like that we're helping families along the way. One other thing that I wanted to bring up, and we should really clarify this too, is when we're talking about the IFSP, there's the two parts of it. There's the actual formal document that's going to have all of the information in it, but then there's also the meeting that corresponds with that as well. So just make sure that when you're thinking about the IFSP, there is such a big part of having the parents present, all the team members present, the service coordinator, anybody that's on the team working with the child or potentially could be working with the child if they're going to be bringing in a new therapy provider or something like that. You have that huge collaboration piece where people are talking about what's going on, the strengths, the weaknesses, and then all of that information does get compiled into a report that then when we're talking about everything being updated, that is the actual part that's going to be updated every six months potentially sooner because if if goals have been met or maybe if you wanted to add a goal or something like that. But really those are the two like big components of that IFSP process. And I kind of want to jump in and I know we've been talking a little bit about our role, but what unique 
contributions do you feel like we bring to the table as occupational therapy practitioners within the IFSP process? I like how you asked that. And I'm going to start with this. Remember, as an OT on the early intervention evaluation team, you may be creating goals that are not reflective of occupational therapy. Actually, you might be creating goals for kids that aren't even receiving occupational therapy. So this is another lens of an OT practitioner in early intervention showing that you need to have that developmental scope in all areas of development, not just in your own practice area. And I think our unique role really plays in to that self-regulation piece, that attention piece, that ADL component. We're looking at routines. We're looking at mealtimes. We're looking at attention. We're looking at how the child is regulating throughout their day. And if that's impacting all areas of their routine. This is where our knowledge comes into play, not only with just having an understanding of overall development, but how our sensory processing impacts all areas of development and being able to provide outcomes. And then also within those outcomes and goals, providing unique strategies that are specific to the child. Because with each goal that we create, no, the child might not need specific OT services, but you can provide strategies to the infant teacher or within that goal that have a sensory base that can just naturally support that child along their journey of development. One of the things that I heard a while back, and this is actually when I was working in the schools, but I think it's so applicable to occupational therapy across all practice areas and specifically when we're talking about early intervention. And this is kind of going to hit on what you were saying, Danielle, about maybe we aren't even writing occupational therapy related goals. But I heard this phrase that occupational therapy is really the glue that kind of holds everything together. And I think because we have such a holistic view and we can look at so many different things that might be impacting a kiddo or their family or their routines or their occupations, anything that's happening that really we can kind of come in. And even if it's a gross motor goal or a speech goal, or maybe a cognition goal or something that we can really utilize our mindset as an occupational therapy practitioner to like bring everything together and really make it work the best for the child and for that family. So it doesn't even have to be something super, super specific to OT, even though almost everything is, <laughs> we can relate it that way. But we really kind of come in and just like bring everything together and just really kind of embed it into their routines and their daily life and and everything like that. So I don't know, that was just something that came to mind. And I'm like, I, I love that, that we really can kind of be that glue in the entire process and bringing everybody together. Speaking of the glue, I think that leads me to another really important role that we have, and that's sometimes to hold the parent together during this process because it can be a very emotional process. You know, yes, we're going over the strengths of the child, but we're also going over the weaknesses and the challenges and all of the difficulties that they may be navigating on a daily basis. And it can be an emotional process. I have had parents get very emotional during the IFSP writing process. I think just remembering to be empathetic during the process and letting them know that we are here to work together. It is a team. I'm not going to come into the home and tell you how to parent or tell you what to do, but we're really going to collaborate. And so I think that is just a really special and important part of what we do, as well as kind of guiding the parents too, because I know I've had sometimes you know, when the parents are talking about playtime, they might have said something like, you know, they're always fighting with their brother or 
or sister and they can't really play together. And I'll say, do you want us to work on that? Do you want us to work on facilitating a positive sibling interaction? And they're like, what? We can do that? And it's like, yeah, you know, that's something that we can do. And I think it did take me as a new graduate a little while to realize how my scope is so much broader in early intervention than it is as a pediatric OT. And I love that. I love that that is, that's part of therapy because that's part of helping that child participate in that routine that is really important to the family. I love that you said broadening your scope, like as a pediatric OT, because as someone working in school-based for full-time and having to work on only the educationally relevant goals and access to education, when we shift into other practice areas of OT, they are very, very specific. Whereas in early intervention, it's almost all encompassing. I love the phrase, everybody can benefit from OT or everything is OT, but it really can be an early intervention and our unique perspective as pediatric OTs really plays a crucial role in that early intervention environment. And I think this is a great time to talk about why an IFSP is different than an IEP and also how important it is to prep your families for that transition because it is very, very different. So with the IFSP, we are working on family-based outcomes. And then once the child turns three, they are now going to transition into the education system where they will receive an individualized education plan, which truly supports their access to their education, which those levels of supports and services are going to look very different, often a lot less, often transitioning from a therapist being in your home and having this unique relationship to sometimes I don't even get to meet the parents until the IEP or if I happen to be in the classrooms during pickup or drop-offs. So again, I think that not only is it so important in understanding the differences between the two documents, it's very crucial to be able to, as an EI therapist, around that 2.6 of age mark, start prepping the parents as to what this transition is going to look like, how these services are very different, how now we're moving from family-based outcomes towards educational outcomes. And that level level of support is going to be framed in what the child needs in terms of access, not in terms of what is going on in the home anymore, which can be a very devastating transition if it is not done appropriately and with that knowledge from the practitioners to really help the parents along the way. I really appreciate you bringing that up, Danielle, because I think that is a big component of what we do as early intervention practitioners, especially if we're getting kiddos that are over two years of age, two and a half years of age that are getting close to transitioning to the school district. And we're not going to go too much more into that process right now, but we will have some follow-up episodes where we actually talk about going through that transition process and really kind of unpack a lot of what we can do in early intervention and how, and how we can best support our families and our clients through that process. So today we dove in and talked all about the IFSP, the Individualized Family Service Plan, and what it looks like, what the letters stand for, what's included, who contributes to it, and also our unique role as an occupational therapy practitioner within the EI setting. So now we want to hear from you. What is your involvement and how do you participate within the IFSP process? So feel free to reach out to us. You can go to our website, therealots.com, or you can shoot us a message on Instagram at therealots of EI. 
We're so excited you joined us today. Check out our website, therealots.com, for more information about anything discussed in the episode. And sign up for our email list so you don't miss out on any of our awesome EI resources. And join our amazing community of students and practitioners to get your questions answered and learn from others working in early intervention. Whether you're in the car, on your lunch break, or signing in to your next virtual session, thanks for keeping it real with the real OTs of early intervention.